This is The Ignition Show, an after-show edition. Hello, everyone. Welcome to or welcome back to the podcast. I'm Chris Jansen, host of The Ignition Show, and today is what we call our after-show. It's a special episode where we look back at the most recent interview and pull it apart to see how the ideas have impacted us. Us, by the way, refers to my wife and business partner, Sarah, and I. We're learning too. And not only have we created this podcast to help provoke, inspire, and fuel your greatness, but we're on our own journey. We want to learn and grow as individuals and as a couple. And hey, we're human too. We have days and moments when we're crushing it and plenty of moments when we're not. So the After Show episodes are here to deepen the learning, to speed the implementation of the ideas from our great guests, and to help master the achievement of your greatest dreams in order to live an extraordinary life just the way you want it. We're excited to be on this journey with you, side by side, moving forward with the entire Ignition Show community. All right, it's time to ignite the spark within you. Let's get to the after show. Today, Sarah and I are going to discuss what we learned and what stood out for us in the episode Overcoming Sabotage and Discover Your True Self with Shirzad Shamin. We'd love to hear what stood out for you too. So please go to our Facebook group and join if you haven't yet and let us know what you heard from Shirzad that impacted you. I just want to jump in and say that we do these after shows because we learn so much about these from these interviews that it's kind of a way for us to debrief on each interview and be like, huh, what worked for us, what stood out for us, what resonated for us, and how do we want to make change in our life moving forward? So this is, just to reinforce what you just said, this is us learning along with anyone else who's listening out there. So we would love to hear from you as well to join in to this conversation. Yeah, and we absolutely know that that true learning comes from reflection. It's not the event that happens, it's what you think about the event afterwards. And there's so many gems in these conversations that we want to do these after shows to, um, to force us to get value, to take away value, because we're learning and growing, as you said, uh, but also, we hope that these hearing these conversations make the you listening to the show make you also stop and think. And we'd love to really would love to hear from you and uh, to, for you to participate in the community in all these conversations. So, uh, so we had a great conversation with Shirzad, uh, Sarah. Um, I'm only going to turn to you first. What what struck you? Well, first of all, I have about three pages front and back of notes because I was just furiously scribbling down so much of his wisdom. He has so much to share with everyone. And the big thing for me is this idea of positive intelligence. I had never heard the term before. I've heard of IQ and EQ, mostly because in my corporate world, my corporate uh, career that has since uh, ended several years ago, EQ was always something I was focused on. Uh, it wasn't something that came naturally to me. I was so focused on the the rational, the, you know, the the do, 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 not the interact. So EQ was something I was very attuned to. But as Shirzad said, it's complicated. There's about 24 or two dozen, he said, competencies related to EQ that we need to pay attention to. And what I love with Shirzad is that with positive intelligence, he's really simplified it. As he said, it's like think positive is too simple to act on but EQ is not simple enough. So this idea that he's this positive intelligence where we have the saboteurs and the sage in our life, it just 
simplified it to a point where I'm like, oh, this is something that I could actually use every day. Yeah. As I was preparing for the conversation, as I said, I was, I was reviewing some of the materials and re reacquainting myself with some of the ideas in his book. And, um, and having done the assessment, I thought, I knew we were going to have this, this, this conversation here today, the after show. And I just thought, oh, I really want Sarah to read this book or go do that <laughs> assessment because there's such, so many rich, rich and crazy practical insights that I know can influence how we interact with each other and when our saboteurs are at play uh, because of what the other, you know, our, one of us, what one of us has said or done. Um, but um, yeah, there's so many here. So so let's 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 dive into some specifics. I mean, one. So he goes into the ten saboteurs, and he talks about the. I think there are five sages. Uh, there think. there are five core competencies of of a, a sage. Fair enough. Of the sages, there's Fair only enough. one sage. Okay, sorry, I haven't read the book yet. I'm just going off of of the interview. But what I love is that. He talks about the sage is us. It's who we were born as. It's who we are meant to be. It is who we are. It's the saboteurs that we've learned from um, from survival mode as kids. You know, who did we need to be? But and we'll get into that a little more because I've I have more to say about that. Um, but it's the idea of the saboteurs aren't really us. So it's the idea of you don't have to feel guilty or shame or um, deceit, like uh, discomfort that that's coming out of you. If you're having a bad moment, if you're being controlling or a stickler or, you know, grumpy, for lack of a better word, I forget what the, the word he used with his children when they the were poop maker, the poop maker, when the poop maker comes out, that's not really you. And it, for me, that just actually the thought of that kind of released some tension, yes. or there there was some relief. And even as I'm I'm saying this, you can see my shoulders kind of dropping down. It's like, oh, that's not me. That's a saboteur, and you're able to dissociate yourself from that negative behavior, negative attitude. Be like, that's not me. How can I get back to who I really am? Yeah. For me, I mean, overarchingly, that was like the biggest wow. Um, takeaway from the whole interview it was yeah. like that's you're able to dissociate yourself from those negative beliefs habits actions yeah and I think the the comment um, or the statement that he, he shares that all stress all stress comes from the saboteur yes and the sage face it can face any challenge or crisis yeah, that was the other thing is that when we when we are living in our sage self as ourself, we can handle anything. Yes, and it's a it's a core belief that I realize that I that I'm aware that I have I developed maybe 10, 15, 10, 10 years ago or so, and I can't remember what influenced me to come to this conclusion, but it's really it's always struck with me, and the, the way that I express it is I am bigger than any problem. Mm. That any problem that comes up, whether in you know some serious setbacks, whether they be relationship-wise, financially, career-wise, um, that I'm bigger than any problem. So no problem has power over me. No problem is all-encompassing. If I ever feel that way, I, I now have a language that that's my saboteur, um, the one that is evaluating the situation. 
And when I connect to the sage, which is the true self, um, and other people might talk about as your soul, you know, elements of your soul, like your soul is, is um, um, immortal, your soul lasts forever, your soul isn't influenced by anything. It's the, the core, core, core who you are. It just is. It just is. And um, it really gives you some, some resources. You know, the language that Shirzad has is that there's, it gives you some resources as a way to separate yourself from what you're feeling in that moment and be able to look at, a, look at the situation in a very, very different way. Completely. And his example of, you know, at the end of the conversation of how he got some bad news and he kind of flew off the handle at his son. In many family dynamics, in many relationship dynamics, that kind of taking your stress out on someone else who had nothing to do with your, the situation that stressed you. A lot of, a lot of fam family dynamics, relationship dynamics, that can be a very toxic pattern that shows up. What really I really noted when he said that was it took him going from a yelling at his kid, at his son, it took him four minutes to go and apologize and, and be almost playful, talking about the poop maker, um, totally redirected, not just the conversation, totally redirected the relationship. And I love what he said, you know, we are all imperfect. Um, we all have our quote unquote flaws. Um, and to accept them rather than try to, to sugarcoat them or, or sweep them under the carpet and let other people acknowledge that, yeah, we all have flaws, that um, we're all safe in that conversation. We can handle that way differently than we normally do. Well, I think that was one thing that, that I was drawn to as well is, yes, he was, he was talking about how, how this can be related to kids or how, how he uses the positive intelligence as a parent. And he talks about, you know, just demonstrating that we're not perfect. And I think that's, you know, again, such a relief, but so hard to do because we we're all trying to be perfect or many of us are. I'll, maybe I'll speak for myself. <laughs> you know, oftentimes I'm trying to be perfect and it's really hard to, to admit to myself, let alone others that no, you know, this was a deviation, this was a saboteur. And, but to be able to do that with your kid after, you know, four minutes and, and just be completely vulnerable and authentic yes. with your eight-year-old son and say, yeah, that, was, that wasn't mommy or that wasn't daddy. That was the poop maker, mommy and daddy, or, you know, we're who I am right now with you, the playful, you know, loving, kind person. That's who I really am. And most importantly, but it's okay that I screwed up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, that's just part of being human. It's okay that the poop maker came out or the saboteur came out. The important part is that I'm here with you now. It makes me think of a client conversation I had a handful of years ago where you know, he was going through a really stressful time at work and he at the time had three young boys. Uh, at the time, this one child might have been like five, six, seven, somewhere in there. And, um, you know, dad came home from a stressful day and was very short and kind of snippy and probably a bit angry at his son. And he went into, oh, no, actually, it was the other, sorry, it was the other way around. The, the son was misbehaving in some way, maybe, maybe beating up his little brother or something like that, <laughs> or yelling at his son or, you know, yelling at his younger brother, crying or something. And so the father sent him to his room, like, hey, get out of here, go to your room, right? Kind of, well, that's not exactly how I want to be as a dad. So he went in and talked to the son, and 
he sat down on the bed and had a conversation and asked the son like what was going on there and he's like i was really upset because of xyz this this what the little the little boy said and the father says to him well you can't respond like that you can't yell like that and the son says but you do daddy wow and dad just sat there and there there was a moment there like he could go either way he could double down on the authoritative father and say you do what i told do what I say, not as I do. Not as I do. But instead, he took the high road, and he, he just response was, you know what? You're absolutely right. Huh. I do that, too. It's hard sometimes, isn't it? And he had the most heart-opening, loving conversation with the son, and his son taught him so much in that moment that he's the one that walked away with the lesson, not the son. Wow. Which, coming back to um, Shirzad and his son, that exact example... But also something he says you can take into business, into your adult life, not just as a parent, but as you're, you know, dealing with business or colleagues or, or friends, just recognizing that this is, you are human, you're going to be sabotaged by these saboteurs. And um, yeah, just being authentic in that journey. Mm. Yeah, there, there's... Um, um... Can I just jump yeah, in here? Go ahead. Speaking of authentic in the journey, his hero's journey story, when you asked him to say, okay, how did you get to this, this positive intelligence theory or framework to hear? So if you haven't listened to the interview, just hearing it in his own words, explain how he was an entrepreneur and things went wrong. I won't get into details because you really need to hear it from his own words was just like, oh, my heart just burst open for him, not just in that moment for, for what went on, but to be able to be that vulnerable in yeah. the moment, but also tell it as it is now was just incredible. And what an example of a true leader. Yeah. Yeah, I know there were many moments where I felt inspired um, uh, or saw him as an inspiring example back to one of the core uh, core paradox and philosophies of this podcast is uh, the fact the first one is that we are capable of so much more than we often give ourselves credit for and the capacity that we have to to step out of the moment and the depth of our emotion uh, the turmoil we might be going through in the moment to know that we have the capacity to respond in a different way is is inspiring and um and um... so I'm going to jump in here and say, taking it in a new direction, I, what I really liked, so it's one thing to know the positive intelligence framework, the saboteurs, and know that you can redirect yourself back to your sage, your true being. But to understand why these saboteurs come up in our life, and the idea, and when he said it, it totally makes sense. It's who did you have to be as a kid to, yes. to survive? So his question to himself is to survive and succeed, I should this. So if you put yourself in your 10-year-old self, who did you need to be to survive and succeed? And when you frame it that way, it explains so much. Yes. And it explains, I was even thinking about my sister and I. Okay, so we grew up in the same household, same parents, 
you know, three years apart, but for the most part, the same experience. I was the achiever, you know, get things done, you know, go out and, and whatever, challenge myself. And she was the peacemaker. She was the, the pacifier, the peacemaker, probably because I was causing so much trouble. <laughs> but that was, that was her role. And it explains so much in terms of, okay, how, how did we get these saboteurs? And it makes perfect sense that we get them as children. Who yeah. did you need to be as a child to get the love from your parents or the accolades at school or the friendships in the schoolyard? Who did you need to be? And it makes perfect sense that those quote unquote strengths as a child stuck with us because yes. they got us the love that we wanted. And as you and, and Shirzad mentioned, as adults, then we tend to double down on those that then become our weaknesses. Yeah. And I, again, I would encourage if for anyone listening to this, if you haven't, go to the, you know, go to the links in our show notes for the episode to go do the assessment. It's uh, positiveintelligence.com. Yeah. Just in case you don't have a chance to go to the show notes. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, go do the assessment. Because each saboteur breaks it down, the kind of gives you the insight as to how that saboteur developed and what are its challenges and what, what you need to remember. But for each one, it gives a very, very specific rationale or explanation as to where that came from. And it's just super helpful to, um, super helpful to understand the dynamic of that saboteur. And it can give you so, so many great insights that I think I'm sure you're going to get lots of learning, which again, we'd love to hear what you took away from doing the assessment, uh, share that in our Facebook group. Um, so you did the assessment. Yes. What came up for you? I know you mentioned it in the interview, but what were your top one and two? Or top, the top one was uh, avoider mm -hmm. and top two was, uh, sorry, the second one was uh, hyperachiever, I believe. Interesting. So I listened to that and it made me smile because I, I were married to each other. I, yeah, I wasn't surprised. I afterwards did my assessment after the interview. This was late last night after listening to the interview. And mine came out as, did you want to guess? or? Well, I think I just saw on your computer screen what it was. I was I pulled it up so we could talk about it. I thought you'd be a hyperachiever in one of them. And I, and I don't, I'm not intimate because it didn't come up for me. I'm not intimate with the other ones. Right. The, the second one, and they were like neck and neck for me, was the controller. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> That makes sense. Uh, and hell of a lot of sense. And as as soon as I got those those results, and having already heard that yours was the avoider, I'm like, oh, that totally makes sense in a lot of our disagreements or arguments or or where we have conflict in our relationship because I want to jump in and control the situation, and oftentimes you'll avoid the conflict. Yes. It's probably make two very interesting dance partners, isn't it? The controller and the avoider. I just have this vision of someone chasing after with a baseball bat or gloves or something while the other one's running away. Uh, but I, going back to my point earlier in this conversation, it's why oh, I love for you to read the book or do the assessment because I think actually in all honesty, and I think one of the lessons out of this is what I'm, you know, what this conversation reinforced for me is that, um, when individuals, especially in a, in a relationship like we are in, when individuals can have a language and an identity for the parts of them that show up that truly aren't serving them, 
uh, in a, or is not serving them in fully. When you have a language and with the assessment, you know, some, some description around that, it gives you great, a great tool to have really healthy conversations. Yeah. So it's not, again, it's not, you know, in a, in a, in a dysfunctional way, you and I, I'm glad that we don't, uh, and we're getting better every month that passes, but you and I can have a lot of, could have a lot of arguments that are coming from our very different saboteurs, which are really just trying to influence the situation so we can feel love, feel safe, feel secure, be happy. And I reflect back to like the first year of dating, we did have those moments where we didn't have the common language, we didn't have an understanding of where the other person was coming from. And I just reflect if we had had this language then, and we we did have those conversations eventually, and it, I mean, we're now married, so it worked out. And it continues to- And we're still to, into work, still working on it. And yeah. it's still working out. Um, but you're right, having this common language, and I think of work and colleagues or friends, or especially at work, because you're dealing with people on a regular basis and you're hopefully um, working together for a common goal. Having this common language would be so beneficial. Um, and also that self-awareness. So not just the awareness of yourself, but also others. So you can work through these issues with that common language, and it just makes every relationship stronger. And I would imagine then, as as you both talked about in the interview, that makes the organization stronger. Well, yeah, and I think specifically, it's not it's in addition to your own awareness, but it's also awareness of what the other person is experiencing in that moment or situation, right? So to recognize that my avoider might be showing up in the situation, I would like to think that with practice, you know, being using us as a very specific example, that n being able to label that this is my avoider at play or I'm uncomfortable in some situations in this moment, and at the same time you having compassion for my avoider saboteur, not annoyance at me as a human being or for, as your husband, and conversely, when you go to control or when control is at play, hopefully we can get to the point where we can have a conversation equally that that's the controller at work. Um, so let's respect what the controller wants to get, but let's actually find a healthier or more effective way to get there. And I, think it's, I think that the language and the tools are, are, are phenomenal. Absolutely. And it was interesting to hear him say, I mean, he has so much data now because I think, I forget how many people have 300, filmed. 300,000 people have done this, this quiz, you know, for lack of a better word, but he's able to see certain nuances between gender, for example. He was saying, you know, women tend to be more on the pleasing side. Now, not all women, this is not a, a broad sweeping statement, but it's in general, that's what the data is pointing to, that more women tend to be, or more of the pleasers tend to be women, and more of the hyper-rational um, people tend to be men. And what I thought was super interesting was culturally, he sees some nuances. Some, as he said, slight variations. So again, not hardcore stereotypes, but some slight variations. For example, Jap uh, in the J Japanese culture, women tend to be more pleasers. And, and in the German culture, they tend to be more sticklers. And in the US, we tend to be more, um, and I would say Canada's the same, hyperachievers. And what's interesting is that when he, when he presents it as a saboteur, if you 
if you、mm. fall into that category and you grew up in that culture, you're like, but that's what I was taught to do. You know, yeah, and I completely. That's not a savage rule. That's just the way it is. That's the way it is. That's how I get love. That's how you know. That's how how this whole、says、society the, is. Says the saboteur. Says、mm-hmm. the saboteur exactly. So I thought that was so interesting, and especially in North America, being hyperachievers, I would imagine this would be even.、Um, I'm looking at, for example, you know how to approach this in in corporate life, but also cross. Cultural relationships.、Mm. You know, if you're working in a multi multinational、um, or an international corporation, dealing U.S. I was often dealing with European or Asian counterparts. We're coming from a different culture, and therefore have different saboteurs, yes. which we perceive as completely normal because we're surrounded by other people. It's interesting. You're another hyperachiever, as am I. We're surrounded by that, so we think it's normal. Yes. If not, completely acceptable and something to be proud of. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And like you said earlier, it's like it can be a strength overused. So、uh, totally. again, with the power of the the assessment was to really give you the, some some articulation of some of the challenges that you can expect. I think the other thing that really is so fundamental in this whole conversation about how we humans get wired and what is you know what we how we tend to react. Under pressure or stress or setbacks, is this whole idea of mental fitness, and、um, it's pro- probably beyond the scope of this conversation. But I think being able to educate our society at the high school level, having classes in this, or in our communities if the high schools aren't there, or at least in the families if it's not available in communities, it is so important. I, you know, I see all the challenges that when people I coach or engage with in workshops. In their in their twenties, thirties, and forties, and fifties, and sixties, who are you know experiencing some challenges in life, <clears throat> it will always relate back to emotional resilience and emotional response and some of the program that they've had from early in life, and we don't aren't taught these things. We aren't taught these things, but with a little bit of education, we can set people off on a very different trajectory. And、um, so that that was another point that I think is so critical, and、um, you know it's. And perhaps it's for future. There's actually guests I want to have on the show that are involved in the mental well-being and mental fitness world, and really making a difference in our cultures and our policies and our in our societies that I I think would be would bring bring great value to the conversation. For sure, I mean, the the great point now you 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 and I both agree. Like, imagine stuff like this was taught in high school. Imagine the world we would live in today.、Yeah. I think it would be so much better, and and hopefully, as society evolves and our educational system evolves, it it will become more standard procedure or standard. You know, at least individual teachers will bring it up. But the good thing is that that notion that after thirty five years our personality is set and it won't change, as Shirzad said, that's bogus. You know he's dealing with people who are in their forties and fifties, and、um, really some ingrained saboteurs in their life, and they are making concerted changes.、Yeah. So it's never too late to to learn this stuff and to make those changes,、yeah. which I think is just provides some hope. Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about the saboteurs, which is a big part of the conversation, a big part of the work around positive intelligence. But I don't want to also lose、um, lose traction of the importance of what do you do about it. 
and his, uh, what he calls his positive intelligent reps or PQ. He calls reps. them the PQ reps. Yeah, yeah. so P PQ, like IQ or EQ. It's positive, positive, positive quotient. But the reps, like going to a gym. And the, the, you know, the one exercise he gave us on the, on, the, um, on the podcast about rubbing your fingertips together. I've actually shared that in some workshops since then. And it's interesting when I, when I shared that, just how immediately I can feel the energy of the room just kind of get grounded. And I've used that too when I've been on phone calls or just working throughout the day. If I find my mind has drifted, I'll just pause. And like he, like he walked us through of rubbing two fingertips together slowly so you can feel the ridges of your, of, of your thumbprints or fingerprints uh, for 10 seconds. I do feel in that moment, I feel my, myself getting much more present. Yeah. And, and the other example he used um, for kids, for example, around the dinner table, he would have everyone close their eyes and really taste and be present with your food. So he would say, you know, close your eyes and really taste and listen and smell that experience for 10 seconds, which is so simple. 10 seconds goes in, you know, in a flash. But it made me think that in both examples, really, it's just two great ways to be present. You know, I'm laughing because uh, yesterday when I was eating my burrito for lunch, I paused and I noticed how crunchy the lettuce was and what interesting sound the rice made when I chewed into it. And I started laughing as I was eating because suddenly you became like a heightened, massively heightened sense of awareness of, of all that entertainment that goes on. And it did feel make me feel a little bit more both present in the moment, but also it re kind of kind of relaxed my mind from other things that were, were maybe going through my mind at the moment. That's awesome. And so the, his whole strategy of doing these reps, like going to the gym, you've got to build the muscle, 10 seconds, 10 times a day, super easy, super practical. Yeah, you know, like everything, changing habits is challenging. So you might want to listen to some of the uh, other conversation we've had with the uh, uh, we got coming down the pipe with uh, another guest around creating and making habits. Um, but what he said, sorry, and I just want to link yeah. back to, it's not just about being present. So yes, it made me think, well, I'm just being uber present right now. But as Shirzad said, scientifically or neurologically, so your saboteur and your sage live in different parts of the brain. By doing these two exercises, it actually turns off the part of the brain slightly where the saboteurs live and activates the part of the brain where your sage lives. Yes. So it's scientifically based. It's not just an exercise, you know, to get present. I just no. wanted to to no, thank you for ground that, no. people in that, that there's there's a scientific reason behind these two exercises. Yeah. So so lots of lots of other suggestions in the book on uh, little practical things that you can do. So just to wrap this one up, uh, Sarah, what uh, what would you, what would your, your encouragement or call to action be to the listeners? What would you love to hear from them as, as they listen to the episode and, and reflect on their learning? You know, so I'm, I'm actually going to add one more thing that okay. I took away. Go for it. And it was the two big lies that Shirzad said. And it was the idea that we need to change. And really, we are who we are. It's a matter of stripping away the stuff that we aren't. So we don't need to change who we are. We just need to strip away these saboteurs that have gotten in our way and who are not really who we are. And the other thing he said was this idea, and it, it made me think, which is kind of ironic, that insight is all that we need. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing to listen to this podcast. It's one thing to read his book. 
it's 80% of the work, as he said, is actually making the change. And so what I would love to hear from the listeners or anyone, anyone who um, relates to this concept, and I definitely do, I'm sure I'm not the only one, is, you know, what saboteurs have gotten in your way, especially if you've done the, especially if you've gone to positiveintelligence.com and done the, the, assessment. the, the assessment, I keep calling it a quiz, but it's not, yeah. it's an assessment. Um, it, it takes less than five minutes. It's very insightful. I would love to hear how, what your saboteurs are or have been and how they've gotten in your way. But I'd also like to hear from people of what they plan on doing about it and what changes they they hope to make in their life or or plan to or are, maybe most importantly, are making in their life. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I'm planning on making a few changes in my life as a result of this, but we'll loop back on that once I've once I've made them. All right. I look, I look forward to learning and supporting you. Thank that you. As well. So as always, uh, for those listening, uh, love to hear hear from you. Um, go to our Facebook group and uh, comment, uh, share share your insights and share your answers to what Sarah just asked you to do. Uh, and as always, you can also go to our website and go to theignitionshow.com/connect, and there you can also leave us a voice memo, an audio message. Just to, rather than typing up your answer, just share us, and we'd love to include some of those recordings and and hear your voice and these after shows on future episodes as well. So there you have it, our after show edition, following the interview with Shirjad Shamin on overcoming sabotage and discover your true self. As always, if you like what you hear, subscribe, rate the show, and leave a review in iTunes. It helps others find us and helps us get better. We read every single review and comment that comes through iTunes, Facebook, and our website and respond to as many people as we can. We especially love hearing those real life voice messages and you can leave a comment or question for us to include in future episodes as an audio message by going to our website, theignitionshow.com slash connect. We'd really love to build a community around you and your questions. And lastly, remember, whatever you dream of, whatever you hope for and secretly wish you had, you're closer than you think you are, you're meant to have it and you absolutely deserve it. Until next time, I'm Chris Jansen and this is The Ignition Show.